welcome back to the Kate Languages podcast. This is the fourth episode, I can't believe it's the fourth one already, in my mini-series of five episodes about Lesson Planning 101, so the, the kind of the fundamentals of how to plan an MFL lesson, hopefully a really, really good MFL lesson if you follow my little steps. The first episode in the series was about starting a lesson strongly, so how to get the students in and settled and start a lesson really, really well. The second episode was about introducing vocabulary and new language and I gave some ideas about how to do that and a couple of games and activities that you can do both on a whiteboard and on paper. The third episode was about listening and reading which are what we call the passive skills in MFL and today I'm going to be talking about speaking and writing which are what we call the active skills. If you haven't actually listened to episodes one, two and three I do suggest, as I've said on all the episodes, start from the beginning because what I'm talking about today builds on what I was talking about in the first three episodes. So if you just jump in at the speaking and writing stage you're kind of missing all the preliminary vocabulary and build up and the passive skills before you then do the active skills of speaking and writing which I would never ever ever recommend so yeah in terms of listening to the episodes I would suggest uh, that you go back and do that so I'm in a funny position today of recording this before I do my online CPD course on Saturday the 7th of May but it's going to be released after I've done my CPD course. So I'm afraid we're too late if you're listening listening to this and wanting to do it in May 2022. However, I will be running more of these courses. They seem to be quite popular and I'd really love to do this course again and lots more CPD courses. So just keep an eye on my mailing list, which you can sign up to on my homepage, katelanguages.co.uk. Or follow me on social media. I'm at Kate Languages on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So that is how you will find out about any more CPD courses that I'm doing. If you want to join us and just go into a bit more depth about things I'm talking about in this mini-series, basically. Okay, so as I said, I'm talking about speaking and writing today. And you might have Notice a couple of times I've referred to these as active skills. So as I said, the listening and reading are passive skills. These are (laughs) like passively absorbing the target language. Not quite, because you want to be working with it actively to understand it. But they're called passive skills because you're not actually producing the language yourself. In the speaking or writing tasks and activities, you are producing the writing, uh, the, the language yourself, and that's why they are called active skills. So that's a bit of the terminology for you to uh, to start with. Okay, so speaking and writing, obviously essential elements of a foreign language. I would argue that speaking, in terms of actual you know, if you go to a country where they speak the language, you're going to be needing to speak more than write. I've got a degree in French and German and an A-level in Spanish, and I can't remember the last time I wrote. I mean, I must have done, other than obviously my resources and like lessons. But, um, you know, being in the country, actually writing, that's an interesting thing to think about. Anyway, but speaking is really, really important. In terms of the GCSE, they're equally weighted at the moment. 
as of recording in 2022, God knows what will happen with the new GCSE. So we have to spend roughly equal amount of time on them in lessons. The build-up that I talked about in the first three episodes of this mini-series of starting the lesson, possibly with some retrieval practice, possibly with a new vocabulary activity, and then in the second episode I talked about how to introduce a new language and new vocabulary. Assuming that you've done that and you've done listening and or reading activity, you can then use the language that you have done throughout the lesson to then create a speaking and or writing task. So I would suggest, I mean, it, I don't know, a lot of it depends on how long you've spent on the other things. Uh, it depends on how long your lessons are, literally. It depends on how complex these things are. It depends, I'm quite aware that, you know, some half terms you might have a speaking assessment for your students and some half terms you might have a writing or term or whatever, when, however often your assessments are and you want to be focusing more on one skill or the other whatever your reasoning is, you should be aiming to get the students to produce the language by the end of a lesson. Now, if you've got very short lessons, you might then divide up what you're doing. So you're uh, introducing the language in one lesson and then producing language in the second lesson. So yeah, I mean, when, when I'm talking about a lesson, it could end up being two or even three lessons, but you see it as an ongoing kind of flow of introducing the vocabulary, practicing the vocabulary, and then creating something. I think it's actually really important to do speaking and writing in class. I know that quite a lot of people set writing as homework and then complain that the students use Google Translate. Well, if you get them to write in class, it massively reduces the use of things like Google Translate. And even don't give them access to dictionaries to do really, really badly because they just can't use dictionaries very well in my experience. So the best thing you can do is to scaffold what they need to say or write with the vocabulary and the listening and the reading tasks so that when it comes to the speaking and writing they've got a lot of the language there that they need to use and they're just changing a couple of words, changing a couple of ideas, essentially creating something very similar to the language that you have exposed them to but just kind of making it true for themselves. So, oh I talked about pets <laughs> in all the, in the other episodes, didn't I? So, you know, then if you're doing a, a piece of writing where you're describing a pet and saying what kind of pet you would like, you've already exposed them to the, the language and the vocabulary of pets and opinions and the conditional and things like that, and then they're ready to either talk about what pet they would like or they're ready to write about what kind of pet they have and what kind of pet they would like, etc. So obviously your, your, your speaking and writing don't, don't want to be something completely random and totally different. And I would always, again, as I've said for the listening and reading, stick with one text and then use that text as your model answer, scaffold, etc. to create either something speaking or especially for the writing that works really, really well for the writing. Speaking and writing are kind of differentiated by outcome, but you can scaffold your weaker students even more by giving them a text, underlining a few words and saying, right, you just need to change the words that I've underlined. 
because they're still producing a bit of language, okay, they're not like coming up with spontaneous language, but they're still learning that they can switch and change words and create their own sentences that way. In this respect, I imagine sentence builders are probably really quite good for this. As I said in the vocabulary episode, I've not used them myself, but I can, from what I've seen, this this would work really, really well in that kind of situation. For an extension kind of task, you can get them to use more tenses. You, I just discovered um, online you get these, um, you get random word generators in in lots of different languages. You can literally just say generate three random words, and I want you to include these in your writing or in your speaking. So they could be totally random words, and that could be quite fun. Or you could get them to talk about somebody else rather than just themselves, etc. There's so many ways of extending and changing what you're doing uh, in terms of making it a bit more difficult to challenge some students in the class. So if you take your text from that you've done from your listening and reading, one way of kind of bridging the gap between the language that you have shown them and the language that you want them to produce is to then do a few sentences to translate from English into the target language. Again, that needs to be really based on your vocab list and based on the texts. So for example, if in the text it says, I have a cat, in your translation from English into the target language, you need to, you could say, you need to say, I have a dog. Literally that simple. So do a few of those sentences. And that's, like I say, it's kind of bridging the gap between the passive skill and then the active skill of creating some more language. In terms of writing tasks, I honestly think that the way that it is in the GCSE with, I mean, to be honest, a scenario that I set up like, oh, you're sending an email to your French friend or you're writing an email to a German magazine or something like that. That's totally random. But having the bullet points of this is what you need to include, I think is absolutely brilliant. And actually, if you think about the word limits, so I know AQA is uh, 40, 90 and 150. I wouldn't recommend 150 words for P stage three. It's actually a really a lot to write. I know from doing my resources, like I've struggled <laughs> to write 150 words quite often. I would always give four bullet points. I know, again, with 150 word question, there are only two bullet points. But for the others, there are four bullet points. And I think that gives them enough to as a kind of springboard to talk about the length I think depends on the age depends on the ability of the students you could even say write anywhere between 50 and 100 words and then they you know got a chance to do that or just leave it open-ended write as much as you want having said that they need to learn the skill of not just waffling on for ages and actually making their writing concise when it comes to key stage four. But I've had key stage three, I mean, I say 150 words is hard. I've had brilliant key stage three students who would write like a whole, and we had A4 exercise books, and they would write a whole page of A4, which I just found astonishing. It's absolutely brilliant. With the writing, as I've said, I would always say do it in class it might feel a little bit to you like you're just sitting around while they write honestly though they usually have a million questions while they're writing and it's a good opportunity for you to go around and do marking 
you know, on the spot, having a look at what they're writing, pointing out, look, look, oh, keep an eye, you know, make sure you've got your accents on there, or you can, let, you know, you could, you're picking up, like, oh, they're not really using the past tense or whatever. Get them to do it in class, have a, a walk around, you know, have a bit of a mark of the uh, writing as they're doing it. I would always take in writing and mark it quite closely and then get them to redraft it afterwards because they're learning them from their mistakes and they're actually changing and rewriting it and then they've ended up with a nice piece of writing that is nice and accurate so that's my little tip for that um, in terms of speaking I mean there are so many different types of speaking tasks you can do if you're thinking about preparation for GCSE obviously they need to get practicing with role plays photos describing photos so if you're again you'd be doing pets and you've got a nice picture of a pet and you could do what is on the photo and get them to describe the photo and then a couple of other questions and then they can work in partners and one of them can be the teacher and ask the questions and one of them can answer um, you could also get them and this would work with the writing as well. So they write a paragraph, they prepare something to say, and then they learn it to be able to talk for one minute about the subject or see who can actually talk for one minute about the subject. Another activity that you can do for speaking that I quite like, I mean, I mean, there are so many you can do. You can do questionnaires where you're going around the class and you're asking each other, uh, yeah, do you have a pet? So you're, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not obsessed with pets, I promise. You're literally just writing in your classmates' names and then you just write what pet they've got and then you can do oral feedback on that. And again, that's more speaking and they have to listen to each other and practice. Just again, you need to be really on it with that because they will just speak in English and you have to remind them, you have you know, not speaking in English. Um, or find someone who, so you know, find someone who has a dog, find someone who has a cat, and then they have to go around saying, Do you have a dog? or do you have a pet? And then they can say, Yes, I have a dog, and then you write the name in the box with the dog. Lots and lots of different speaking activities that you can do. Another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the speaking and writing. And this is something that I I think I mentioned, I'm pretty sure I mentioned in my episode about designing a curriculum, because that episode is basically based on Mary Myatt's curriculum book, which is honestly one of the best education books I've read. I've mentioned it so many times and I think it's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, she talks about creating beautiful work which I just think is a wonderful thing to think about. And this is where, with speaking and writing, you can think of a really nice thing that they can do to build up to create some beautiful work. Now, this doesn't literally mean it has to look really pretty, but what it is, it's a larger bit of work that they can be really proud of. It could be something that looks really good and goes up on the wall. It could be, in terms of speaking, it could be something that they record themselves, that they do a video themselves. I've actually had kids who, you know, quite like to go home and record stuff at home on their phones and then make little videos and stuff like that. It's actually quite um, motivating and engaging for them. So, yeah, just think of ideas of how you can not just writing a scribbly paragraph in your exercise book. Well, you can start with that because that's your draft. And then, as I said, mark it, redraft it. And then work out how you're going to make it look really good. Even if you just get them to type it up and print it off and it you know it just looks a bit nicer or you can put together a 
like a class magazine or oh they probably don't know what magazines are these days (laughs) do they uh but you know oh gosh so so many things that you could possibly do but think about the speaking and or the writing being a part of something bigger that then they can then practice and they can make really nice and they can create a bigger piece of work and it might be that all of your lessons for a few weeks end with them writing a short piece you know a 40 word text which then over the course of four or five lessons becomes a short essay which or they you know or a little book about themselves that they can then create an actual little book that they've got about themselves in the target language and think about that in terms of assessment as well whether that's possible to build it all up to then eventually be the assessment that they're doing at the end of that unit. So hopefully that's some good ideas, tips and tricks for how to do speaking and writing in class. So as I said, remember that you are building on the vocabulary and the listening and reading. You don't just go straight in with speaking and writing because they'll have no idea what they're doing. So you're building on that language and you're going from passive skills of understanding the language to the active skills of creating the language themselves. A good transition between the two is to translate from English into the target language, just a few sentences or a short paragraph. Writing, as I said, I love the idea of just using bullet points. I think it's a really easy thing to do. You can make it more interesting and creative, like a postcard, etc. But that could also be thinking about the beautiful work that you're going to do towards the end of the unit. Speaking, the kinds of things that you have in the oral exam are not the worst things in the world. So a little role play, it doesn't have to be a bonkers role play like in the GCSE. It could just be simple questions and answers that they practice with their partner. Describing a photo and answering the questions on the photo. And again, asking and answering the questions with their partner. Timing themselves, talking about the topic, see how long they can talk for, doing questionnaires around the class, find someone who, that kind of thing. So there we go. Hopefully lots of great ideas that you can take away and use in your lessons immediately. As always, I'd really love to hear your feedback on this podcast episode and on this whole mini series and all of my episodes, really, to be fair. You can always get in touch with me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk, or I'm at katelanguages on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And you can always get in touch with me that way. Thanks again for listening and I will see you again next week. Au revoir, auf Wiedersehen, adios, bye.